the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, prepare something for me to eat, put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink? You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you've done all that you've been commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Of all of Jesus' parables and different passages in the Gospels, today's is one that probably hasn't been a personal favorite. And I could trace it all back to third grade CCD class, as it used to be called. You guys call it religious education. We had these fancy terms for it back then, CCD, Confraternity Class of Christian Doctrine. I think that's what it was. Anyway, I was one of those dirty public school kids, so I had to get up early every Sunday morning go for an additional day of school, and there was this kind-hearted volunteer who, God love her, my respect for her has only grown in the decades since, Mrs. Damiano. Somehow she had to deal with 25 of us eight- or nine-year-olds trying to go over the basics of Catholic faith and teach us stories from the Bible at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. And in this time and age before you had computer anything, so there was no YouTube videos to try to engage and entertain us, There wasn't any Google for Mrs. Damiano to consult for an idea or even Amazon for her to order supplies from. She had to rely completely on her own creativity to deal with us somewhat less than receptive little monsters. Anyway, so vividly, I remember walking in one Sunday morning and there was this big bag of dirt on this little, you know, rolling uh, wagon there. And it was over this big sheet of plastic on the floor and there were beach shovels, and there were cups, and there was all kinds of arts and crafts stuff, which I'm like, this is great. I mean, this is the best thing you could see at 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday. We had no idea what was going on, but it was definitely a welcome sight from the traditional Catholic school classroom that had all the desks turned around to prevent us from touching their stuff in there, which I didn't touch any of their stuff. I don't know what they thought we were doing, but whatever. I'm not bitter about it, I swear. Anyway... You could probably figure out what was this dynamic, innovative, and obviously memorable lesson was. Mrs. Damiano read this gospel and talked about the reality of how small and how insignificant from appearances the mustard seed was, but with some effort on our end and through God's design and his providence, we could see what it would become. And so we all dutifully filled our now decorated cups with dirt. We planted the seed. We had all the directions on how to take care of them to bring them back in a couple weeks. So why was this memorable? Well, a few weeks later, there was mine, just a cup of dirt. Nothing grew, nada, not a weed, nothing. 
Most kids had these little seedlings emerging with at least a stem and a few leaves. A couple had like, it almost looked like a flower was growing out of it or something substantial. You knew that their parents put some fertilizer in that thing. There was definitely some miracle girl going on. And here I was, the not yet Father Jim at eight years old with his little decorated cup of dirt. I don't know how Mrs. Damiano tried to spin it or explain my cup of dirt away, which now completely undermined her lesson to the rest of the class. Years later, I've shaken the bitterness of that moment away. Well, maybe. Anyway, I know that for me, it definitely left a bad impression in my mind that perhaps I hadn't done something right. That somehow if I didn't do things in just the right way, that a prayer wasn't going to be answered. I can remember not long after walking home from school and seeing a tree. I don't think it was a mulberry tree. And it was near a reservoir, not a sea. And I was saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Move that tree into the reservoir just to kind of test them out. And shockingly, nothing happened. Um, One helpful friend suggested that because it wasn't a mulberry tree and this wasn't a sea, maybe that's what was going on here. But anyway, growing up, that trend just keep continuing for, for, for me for sure. Everything from... I believe, Jesus, please don't let that ball that the Red Sox just hit go out of the park. To the far more serious things like, Grandma is really sick, Lord. Please let her have a miraculous recovery and it not happen. The point is, I kind of had this impression that if my prayers weren't being answered in the way that I wanted, that obviously I must have been doing something wrong. That obviously my, my faith wasn't strong enough or even big enough as a simple mustard seed. And I think that happens to a lot of people of all ages, particularly when we're confronted with those questions that usually begin with why. Why didn't I get that part or make that team? Why didn't I pass that test? Why did that person break up with me? Why is this person sick? Why did he die? Why do I feel alone? or abandoned? Why do I feel unloved? The prophet Habakkuk, who we heard in that first reading tonight, was kind of struggling with those same questions himself. We hear the prophet complaining aloud to God, basically saying, Lord, there's violence. There's all kinds of injustice going on all around you. You don't seem to care. You don't seem to be doing anything. In fact, Our enemies who are your enemies, Lord, these pagans who don't believe in your power and in fact have mocked you and your people seem emboldened. The apostles themselves in the Gospels are in a similar place at the the start of this passage. You get this sense that they're exasperated here. Jesus talking about mustard seeds is in response to their saying, increase our faith, which seems like It's a reasonable request as they're just recognizing just how difficult it is to follow Jesus and just exactly how weak each of them are. But the difficulty that Habakkuk and the apostles, even eight-year-old Father Jim with his cup of dirt, or even 48-year-old Father Jim at times struggles with, is that we can miss the point. Ultimately, what what does it mean to be a man or a woman of faith. Because we become more and more conditioned to tie the value of faith with a specific result. I plant the seed, it grows up into a plant, the bigger, the better, the better the job I've done. 
And that's not faith. And that's not what Jesus is getting at with saying this, using this mustard seed as an example. Jesus is trying to get us to see that when it comes to faith, that isn't something that is tied to size and quantity or quality or expected results. It's a condition of our hearts and our minds. It's about the proper perspective we have about everything from our origins to our destiny. The apostles and Habakkuk, they're understandably unsettled by struggles and the setbacks that they've been experiencing. Totally understandable. And they're turning to God, they're crying out to him, they're looking to him for answers, which is the perfect thing to do, the perfect response when dealing with those things. But God is telling Habakkuk, stop being so downcast and just focusing on what's happening in the right there, in there, in here and there. And said, look up. Remember at what promises God's made before and how he's fulfilled them. And that, that hasn't changed, even with this present sorrow that he was going through, even through those trials. Jesus is saying something similar to the apostles. Stop being in your heads, where they're still trying to imagine who's the greatest, who among themselves is the best in doing the apostling and the discipling, which relationship is better even judging the the effectiveness of their preaching and the message that Jesus has entrusted them with, if things didn't go the way they hoped for or expected. Jesus tells them, stop that. Just look up and look at him. If they, if we, just had an ounce of faith that he loves them and loves us, if they and if we just had that simplicity of trust that he was listening to them, and was with them, if they and if we just had that humility and that submission to those things and got to the place where we said, thy will be done, and truly meant that, not with the fingers crossed behind the back with, but what I really mean is my will and my will is this, then they would and we would find the peace that we desire. We'd be able to see past whatever the present situation is that we're going through and remember the goodness of God that has brought us into existence, sustains us, and calls us into eternity with him. That is that seed of faith, which if we had that seed of faith, we would be able to see how many other things were happening around us, how many miracles are happening every day, how many prayers are answered, and just how loved and cared for we truly are. To get to that place, though, St. Paul gives us some sound advice about what's expected to us in that letter to St. Timothy today. To remember, God doesn't simply just call us to faith and just wish us good luck and a pat on the back, but he's equipped us with his very Holy Spirit. So we have to remember that and to tap into that, and that's where St. Paul says, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. You have to let those words kind of wash over us because that tells us we have what we need to navigate all the difficult times, all the difficult seasons, all the setbacks that we experience. And we can wonder, how do we find God? We find him in remembering his presence and his action. We respond to him by acts of love and self-control. So knowing what it is we have to say yes to and no to, turning away from 
sinful things and destructive forces and, and bad influences that are constantly trying to undermine the Lord God, that try to pick away at our faith in the Lord Jesus. And instead, responding in ways that are selfless and sacrificial and loving so that we imitate Jesus. We're cooperating with the Spirit within us. One quote that Pope Francis offered some years ago that I've found worthy going back to over and over again is when he said, Faith is not a light which scatters all of our darkness, but is a lamp which guides our steps in the night and suffices for the journey. To those who suffer, God does not provide arguments which explain everything. Rather, his response is that of an accompanying presence, a history of goodness which touches every story of suffering and opens up for us a ray of light. And in Christ, God himself wishes to share this path with us, and he offers to us his gaze so that we might see that light within it. Christ is the one who, having endured suffering, is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. In other words, we're not supposed to have faith in our desires. Rather, faith in God and believing that He works. Sometimes He works in incredibly miraculous ways, and sometimes in very small mustard seeds that won't be able to be appreciated for some time. But we have to keep coming back to believing that He works with us and through us and all around us. And with that, my cup of dirt still glorified God when I recognized he made the dirt, he made the seed, and even though mine didn't grow, others did. He's moving, he's acting, his will be done, not mine.